HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Pico Oysters, turning water into brine on Long Island's North Fork. This week on Meat and 3, we're looking at factors that will shape our food world in 2019. We start with trend predictions and how media covers them. A website could theoretically devote all their coverage to these viral trends and, and get all sorts of hits. That's not a way to build sustainable readerships, just as it's not a way to build you know, sustainable restaurants. We report on a big change coming and how street meat will be served. On January 1st, a ban on plastic foam went into effect in New York City. And we round out the episode with a story about using gene editing to create the spicy tomato of the future. At first, it sounds like a, like a gimmick or like something that you would do for fun. The truth is, there is a real value behind it. It's not too late to make your resolution. Subscribe to Meet and 3 wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss a single episode this year. And welcome to Cutting the Curd on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm Elena Santagade. This week, I'm very excited to be kicking off a new series within our show, Cheese Making Elements. Now, while we're always talking about cheese making on some level here at Cutting the Curd, we're excited to go deeper on specific aspects of the cheese making process throughout the upcoming year. We'll be talking with experts on every step in the process, and I know I'm excited about learning more as we dig into the foundations of cheesemaking, the steps that all together make for this product that we just absolutely love, right? So what's our first Cheesemaking Elements episode focus? Milk, of course, and sheep's milk at that. My guest today is Mariana Marquez de Almeida. Mariana, did I, how did I do saying the name? Great. <laughs> Mariana is a, well. Thank you. She is a sheep and goat specialist focused on everything from milk production to cheese making. On today's show, we'll talk about what's unique and different about sheep's milk, what sets the ruminant apart, and how Mariana's current work with genetics may pave the way for a farmstead sheep milk cheese making renaissance here in the U.S. So... Mariana is currently the senior animal scientist, breeding advisor, and cheese specialist at Miss J and Company, an organization working to bring the Asaf sheep breed to North America. Did I say the name of the breed right, Mariana? 
Yes, Elena, today it's like you are doing perfect. I'm I'm like second guessing my pronunciation <laughs> pronunciation, but Asaf listeners, we'll put it in the show notes. But it's A S S A F. Um, so Mariana, welcome to Cutting the Curd. I am so excited to sort of have your sheep milk knowledge shared with the the radio listeners out there. Thank you so much for calling in today. Thank you for your invitation. It's a uh, Pretty good honor to be here sharing this with you. <laughs> so um, as we dive in here and get into the specifics of <clears throat> sheep's, sheep's milk, um, I wanted to frame this a bit for our listeners. And it, you know, it's so interesting. Mariana had, has helped me gather some data here. And while it's not perfect, we do have... Um, so we do have one number that's going to help us understand sheep's milk... Sheep milk cheese production here in the U.S. This is from a webinar by Professor David Thomas, who's a professor of sheep management and genetics at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. So in 2017, he cites an estimate that the U.S. produces 1.9 million pounds of sheep milk cheese per year. And listeners, so 1.9 million pounds of sheep's milk cheese per year, the imported number, the number of pounds of imported sheep's milk, 74 million, <laughs> 74 million pounds. And that's, the, so that's about two and a half percent, a little less than two and a half percent of, uh, total sheep's milk cheese, I guess, sales or technically, it's not actually a sales number, but in terms of imports, that's, that's the ratio. So, yeah. wow, we have a very small part of the market here in the U.S., and it, sa- it seems like um, there's, there's room to grow here for sheep's milk cheese making. So, Mariana, let's talk about the milk itself now that we have that sort of that frame in our minds. From your perspective, tell us, can you tell us a little bit about how sheep's milk is different from cow's milk? What sets it apart? Sure. Um, Sheep's milk is basically and mainly more concentrated, more rich than cow's milk. Mm. Uh, It has twice the fat and the protein content. And um, it also has, like, a lot of more uh, casein to make cheese. Um, it the also casein, contains more... The, the casein, sorry, just so that I understand. The casein is the, is a protein component? Is that... Is casein is a type yeah, of protein? Mm-hmm. A, yes. Protein is composed by the serum, lactoserum proteins, and then the casein. And the casein, it's what it's going to make the milk coagulate and transform it into cheese. So that's the most, there are several caseins in the milk, and mm-hmm. that's also a difference between sheep and goat and cow. Uh-huh. They always have different components regarding to casein. Oh, interesting. So different types of casein. Yes, there yeah. are. I feel there like are. sheep's milk has this reputation of just being richer, you know, like sort of having more fat or more, you know, everybody points out on a manchego how it starts to sweat. Um, but it's actually, <laughs> what you're saying is that there's more of everything, basically. Yes, there is more of everything. Yes. Mm. <laughs> and it's it's true. It's true. <laughs> mm. And, and um so this will make that um, uh, there's also not only about quantity, but also about quality hmm. um, on everything. The fatty acids are different. 
um, the caseins, the composition of the caseins that we were talking before, it's also different. Uh huh. Um, and what does that so, mean for the final, like the final texture? So when we, when I think about texture of a cheese and cheese making, I'm thinking a lot about the protein. Um, and so what does that sort of different quality of casein mean for the texture of a sheep smoked cheese? For example, I can give you an example in cow's milk. Uh, there's much more, uh, alpha casein. Mm-hmm than in sheep's milk. And alpha-casein is very important to keep the curds together. So mm. it gives more stability so you can stretch it better than in sheep, in sheep uh, cheeses or sheep curds. Are. But in the final product, product um, the sheep milk is uh, more dry, tends to be drier, less... Um, it's easier to, it's it's um, how it's more a little bit more crumbly, not mm-hmm. so, not so, um, not so elastic, not so elastic. Thank mm. you. Sometimes mm. I myself in the translations. <laughs> well, it's amazing. I mean, the being able to talk about this at all is one thing. Being able to talk about this in two different languages is a whole other world. <laughs> oh my God! No. <laughs> Thank you, thank you. No, it's very impressive. And and also the 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 not only the proteins, uh, Elena, but mm-hmm. also the composition on fatty acids. It's different, right? And it doesn't that have to do with like, I mean, aren't certain types of fatty acids like quote unquote healthier or or better for you than others? Is that true? Yes, there 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 is uh, there are. Short, uh, normally short-chain fatty acids are associate, associated with healthier foods. Mm. It's a trend, not not all. It's a long story, but it's but it is, it is, it right. Is. And and so the simpler. sheep's milk, the sheep's milk has more short-chain fatty acids. That's yes, the type. Yes, and sheep and goat more than cow. Yes. Hmm, very but, interesting. But, but then. At the final product, everything gets transformed. <laughs> right. I mean, we're talking about the the raw, fresh milk, unadulterated. Yeah. When when we start talking about cheese making, it's like there's so many elements in the process between the original product of the milk and the final product of the of the, of cheese, the cheese. Right. There are there. So, can you tell me about a little, like, some of the differences in? a cheesemaker might see or utilize in terms of working with cheese, with sheep's milk? There, there, there are a lot. And um, the simple fact that it's um, richer milk in calcium, it, mm. you don't need, you don't have the need to add calcium to the milk to make cheese or um, it, having more casein and more protein, it's less, it's more sensitive to rennet. Um, the most, I think, the most fun factor while making sheep milk cheese mm-hmm. in the vat is that it's the the behavior of the curd and the coagulation is totally different. Huh? Um, How so? It coagulates faster than than cow, hmm. and the the curd is very strong. You know, if if you if you have to cut it in a point or it gets very, very hard to cut. Interesting. And a lot of times, because it has so much more protein, Mm. so it's 
So it's probably more, going to be faster. Right. And, and to me, it seems like I think of protein again, it's like, I think of it as the texture of the final cheese or sort of like the structure during cheese making. Um, mm-hmm. and so it would make sense if there's more, more of it, that the structure would kind of be stronger. And that's so interesting that you mentioned about the higher calcium content, because that's it now don't in cheese making, which like I'm by no means a cheesemaker, but I did a lot of, I've done a lot of home cheese making and, mm-hmm. um, wrote a little book. That's ju- my book is just secretly, uh, trying to convince people to just buy cheese and not really make their own, but <laughs> it will help you make your own. But anyways, they so in in um in my book and I've read also that in cheese making sometimes calcium chloride is added to strengthen the curd. Yeah. And and with sheep's milk basically you wouldn't so mostly that's done with cow's milk, but um it's neat to think of like the fact that all of the structure means that you wouldn't have to add that to your process. No, you don't. Yeah, and, it's it's one less ingredient. Right, and also you run the risk, I think, with calcium chloride of uh, bitterness if you're adding too much, right? So you can kind of avoid that. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, it depends. It depends. Yeah, yeah. It, that's the thing in cheese making. It's everything depends on what are you doing, every, how are you doing, right, what kind of cheese are you doing. Everything is like so. in a relationship with everything else. Right. Exactly. That's the fun part. Totally. (laughs) You have to be thinking about everything. (laughs) And it's interesting, you know, like your, your perspective, I find really interesting because you are a scientist, but you're also a cheesemaker, which is really unique because you're understanding sort of like this basic level, right. Of the science and, and this intricate background to everything that's happening. But you also understand that sense of like, nuanced relationship in how each step of the process really builds on the other. <laughs> oh, yes, a little bit. And and I have, um, yes, I, I, I do a little bit. I don't go deep into a lot of the cow milk cheeses because mm-hmm. I didn't have never worked with them a lot. But as far as uh, what I have done, yeah, it's because it is related. If you start with a great quality Milk, you can end up with a great quality cheese mm-hmm. if you do things well. Right. The other way around, it's not totally true. So it's, it helps a lot when you are making cheese and, and you have a problem to go back to the farm and be able to figure out the problem. So, yeah, right. I, I, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> like uh, it's almost like solving mysteries, you know, like really tracing back yes, every is. element. So what it about... Is. Um, going back to sort of the differences and the unique aspects of, of sheep's milk, what about yield? Because one of the things I always think about is like you're starting, I'm curious about production and yield. So how much milk is a sheep producing versus a cow? And then how much, uh, how much, what percentage yield are you able to get for cheese making in general? Well, as far as an animal perspective, it's, Sheep produces much less than a cow, mm-hmm. um, but but uh, it really depends on the breed we are talking about. But uh, right. we can say that sheep produces like ten times less than a cow. But then, uh, as far as the milk and what we were talking about, milk yield and cheese yield, um, when you are you are going to make sheep milk cheeses, prepare mm-hmm. more molds because you are going to have a much higher yield. 
So it's uh, more mm. or less it's eighteen uh, percent yield compared to cow's milk, which is in average a ten percent. Hmm. Of course, again, this all depends on the type of cheese you're making. Right. But as an average, we can say that we have eight percent more cheese in when you do one pound of um, sheep milk compared to cow milk. It's pretty incredible because when you think about the animals themselves, it's like cows are obviously larger than sheep, but they're not 10 times larger, you know, like, so it's, it's kind of wild that cows produce so much milk, but then sheep have this sort of secret, uh, treasure of their milk, which is that you get more from it. Um, yes. Very interesting. And, and, and about cheese and when we, we arrive to the final product, the cheese is different. Mm -hmm. The sheep milk has such a wonderful different flavor mm -hmm. than, what, than, than cow or goat. What are your words that you use um, to describe sheep's milk cheese? Like what are just some, some go-to words that you feel like always come to mind when you're tasting a sheep's milk cheese? I think normally you can, it's, it depends on the it everything. I'm so sorry, but it all depends on the on actual the cheese. And, but when I think about cheese, I always refer to cheese in Portugal or in Spain, which is where I come from. Mm -hmm. Your home, and your home cheese. My home cheese, yes, <laughs> and always aged cheese. So I always think back on a nutty, sweet, mm -hmm. um, nutty feeling that the aged sheep milk cheeses have. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and they have, have that roasty, that sort of caramelized note to them. Yes, yes. And it's really, really good, especially when it's natural, when you don't have a lot of um, uh, cultures and adjuncts and it just mm -hmm. let the cheese age. Yeah, it's really good. Totally. It's There's, delicious. It, it totally is delicious. And I feel really bummed out that I didn't bring a piece of sheep's milk cheese with me to the studio today to be nibbling on at, during this conversation. Oh, my God. <laughs> Huge mistake. Huge mistake. Um, Huge mistake. Ay, ay, ay. So it's interesting on this idea that the sheep, uh, you know, and this idea of sheep's milk production I'm also assuming, like, if the sheep... Do the sheep have a shorter lactation period as well? Yes, um, they do. Got it. Uh, especially here in the U.S., that the, the, the sheep don't produce that much. So they here the normal lactation will be, like, five, six months. Mm -hmm. So, and mainly they are seasonable animals. Mm -hmm. So they mainly produce as traditional, and I'm talking about here in the U.S., right. they only produce from spring, fall, and until until uh, the uh, the beginning of the of the um, at the end of the summer. So it's like a six-month lactation, more or less. And when you say, yeah. he, you know, you're mentioning here in the U.S., is it, and Will, I, I, I'm excited to talk more about um, the Asaf breed and, and <laughs> sort of what, what you're doing there. But even before we get there, is it sort of generally the case that um, overseas, that in, in Europe, in Portugal and Spain and um, around Europe, that sheep's milk cheeses are being produced more year-round and less seasonally? Is that true? It is true, hmm. but there's always, but but not totally right, not one hundred percent, but yeah. No, because there are some cheeses that are made 
still seasonably, right. especially the, the, the PDO cheeses. Right. Um, in Spain, the, the Idiazabal, for example, it's a good example. It's made only, uh, like here, seasonably. Um, mm, but Idiazabal is one of my favorite cheeses. Yeah, it's a very, and it's a, it's a raw, it's delicious. And it's also made with a specific breed. That's one of the reasons. But but mainly in Spain and generalizing it as if we can, we do uh, we do make cheese year round, right. and we do produce milk year round. Hmm. Uh, not doesn't happen a lot here. There's I think there's just one only one farm that does that here that I know. Mm-hmm. I don't know everything, but. I don't know that farm. I would trust and, your. And, I would trust your knowledge on this topic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know. Maybe somebody knows more, and I I doubt it. But anyway, um, and and we are also going to produce year round, but but that's for later. Yeah, and so that's and that's a result of the the specific breed more than anything else, or also sort of just traditional approach. Would you it's say? just a traditional approach, okay. I think. Yeah. Um, it requires uh, some tricks, mm-hmm. uh, some playing with the animals, and but it's but it's very natural. We can very naturally do it. Right. Right. Very interesting. Okay. Well, now that we've uh, sort of floated that little teaser about uh, the soft breed and everything we're going to speak about soon, we're actually going to jump out for a quick break. Uh, Listeners, we'll be back in just a moment with more of our Sheep's Milk Deep Dive. This episode is brought to you by Pico Oysters, turning water into brine on Long Island's North Fork. Grown out of Little Peconic Bay, Pico Oysters are the only oysters based out of New Suffolk, New York. Owner, farmer, and avid fisherman Peter Stein founded Pico Oysters in 2016 after leaving a corporate job in business consulting and educational software. It's his love and passion for the area and his farm that makes eating and learning about Picos so enjoyable. Taste one and see for yourself. Learn more at PicoOysters.com. That's P-E-E-K-O Oysters.com. Welcome back to Cutting the Curd. I'm Elena Santigade, and I'm here with sheep and goat milk specialist Mariana Marquez d'Almeida. And we are talking about all things sheep milk and sheep as animals. Um, I feel like I'm learning so much on this episode, Mariana. <laughs> Oh, thank you. (laughs) It's great. It's like, I mean, I think that a lot of cheese people in the U.S. are exposed to a decent amount of sheep's milk cheese. And, you know, you'll see a sheep, you know, a flock of sheep every now and then if you're out visiting farms or driving through farmland in the U.S. But it's really rare to really get into the specifics. Um, So this is very fun. And now I think we should jump into the world beyond the sheep as we know them here in the U.S. 
And Mm -hmm. I mentioned at the top of the show that Mariana is working uh, with a small team at Miss J and Company on bringing in genetics for the Asaf sheep breed uh, to the United States. And this is a process that is sounds pretty wild. It's 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 not as easy as just bringing an animal over in the cargo hold. Um, We wish. Yeah, you wish that life would be uh, you'd you'd be well on your way cheese making right now. If that was the yeah. case, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about, why don't we start with uh, the breed and some of the differences uh, between, you know, sheep's milk production as we know it here in the U.S. and what the Asaf breed um, can and will do uh, to disrupt that world a little bit. And then we can talk about how you're actually making it happen. Okay. <laughs> So um, here in the U.S., um, we have a very, very, very small industry, the mm-hmm. sheep industry. And most of the, sh- as we talked before, most of the dairies are seasonable. So mm-hmm. you produce milk six, seven months, and then you are five, six other months without producing. So which which is... It's a hard business model. The hard business, <laughs> yeah. But also the animals don't, um, as, as an average, as an average, and we are all talking about average, right. uh, the animals here produce like 800 pounds per lactation, which is very, very small. Right. So that's um, here in the U.S., 800 pounds per animal during the lactation season. Yes. Okay. And we, what we are doing, bringing the uh, South breed, is that those animals have been developed in Spain. Asaf comes from Israel, and then it was imported to Spain in the 70s, and they have make, uh, made a, a very good um, job in improving the breed. Mm. And right now, their, 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 their average production is around the 1,500 to 1,600 wow, so pounds it's per basically double. It's basically double the production of the sheep that <laughs> yes. are here. Wow. Yes. And there are animals that you can reach... 2,000 pounds very easily, but but we are focused, we, when we talk about breeds and milk production, we need to focus on um, on averages. Mm-hmm. Right. So, yeah. Wow, so, so that's, that's a huge, I mean, that's a huge difference. And also, I mean, the other piece of this that we are not getting into too much today, but the economics of sheep's milk production in the U.S. and sheep's milk cheese making is, has been really challenging. So I would imagine, yeah, yeah we've had some, uh, you know, a few cheese makers who made sheep's milk cheeses closed down in the last couple of years. And mm-hmm. I feel like with this, I mean, double the production, that would certainly help. <laughs> yes. And, and, but, but there is, it's in the U.S. it's, it's a challenge because of the breed. Mm-hmm. Uh, because of the production, but there there needs to be, and if you also increase the production of one animal, you can make the 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 animal uh, go longer on the lactation too. Mm. Um, if you want to do only one lactation, it's not our case. But uh, and there's also a lot of management that needs to be learned how mm-hmm. to mm, help the animals produce more. Right. Right. Very interesting. So tell us a little bit about how you're developing this breed. Um, if you're not allowed to bring the actual animals over, I, I believe through the U.S. Customs you can bring in, like, semen, and that's how a lot of, like, 
genetics with cow production happens too, I think, right? Um, yes, yes. And then it's what really do you do? Tough. How 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 does it work? What do you, I mean, you don't need to explain to me the birds and the bees. I, I do know how that works. <laughs> no, yeah. but um, uh, just to uh, go back I'm going to ask you, I'm going to go back just one, one, yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Um, um, in, in, we've, we, in 2014, uh, the, the, um, the U.S. borders opened finally to the, to the imports of genetics from, from Europe, from mm. sheep and goat from Europe. Mm. So pre- and previous to t- 2014, not allowed at all. Nothing is coming in. No, the the borders closed in. I think it was ninety four or ninety six. Okay. I, I'm not sure, mm-hmm. but it was around the time because of the mad cow disease, and the sheep mm-hmm. had a similar uh, disease called scrapie. But okay. from then, all the countries have been lo- going against it and controlling the disease. So mm-hmm. finally, they they opened the borders in 2014. And and when we find out, and we is Shirley, Shirley Knox, Jeff Weidman, and myself. You um, are Miss J and company, the three of you. Yes. <laughs> the, the three of us decided to to start the company. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it took us, after that, it took us one and a half year to be actually able to bring the semen in. Wow. And that's the only thing you can bring. You could you cannot bring an, at this moment you cannot bring embryos mm. or live animals. Only okay. semen. Okay. And so from there you have to start the breeding process. Yes. But with... from there we have to start with the sheep and the ewes that are here. Right. And then inseminate them mm-hmm. and then um and then build the the, the breed uh mm. like that. Like right. uh, uh, it's the technical term is absorbing the breed. And how many more- generations of building it do you, because you're aiming for essentially a pure breed, is that right? Yes. And that's so our main aim. That's, ama- that's, that's amazing. Yeah. So how many generations <clears throat> do you have to go through? How many rounds of that absorption until you get to that status? So we, we we in the females we will do four generations hmm. when we are around after the fourth generation you have like 93% uh, the the offspring will have 90% a soft blood oh. so we will consider that a pure breed otherwise it. It, it will it, it does you never arrive to 100% right. so right. we think that 90% is going to be good but for the males, we'll go one more generation to be considered pure, pure breed because they are actually the ones that are going to disseminate all the genetic information. So mm-hmm. they have to be one step further. Got it. So it, that, and we will wait for the 97%. Got it. And, the, and then, that, well, after that, you've, you're, you have, you're, your herd is, has emerged. <laughs> Yeah, we hope so. And so yeah, t- it, it will take us five years to have the first for the first animals. Well, we have already one year now because we we have the first generation already, mm-hmm. and the second generation is going to be born in April. So it it will take us three more years to have what we two more two more two two and a half more years to wow. to 
build the pure breed. That's pretty. So, that's pretty close. I mean, that's not too too far off in terms of the grand no. scheme. I'm sure you if, you wish it was even closer. Yeah, but if you think about cows, it would take us double the time. Right. Right. Yes. So. And it's not bad. It right. is what it is. It is what it is. It's your, you've got a, you're working with the regulations that you're dealt here in the U.S., I guess. Yeah, yeah. And, and are you bringing fine. in new genetics each year? Is that how you're um, sort of yes. keeping that focus? Okay. Interesting. Yes. We, we will, not every year we, we brought enough semen. The first time we, we just didn't want to compromise the Pro the all our projects. So mm-hmm. if something happens with the borders, if they close for anything, you know we would not be um, depending on them. Mm-hmm. But then we will every two years. Then we will bring more more semen in. Yes. Got it. Very. Because everything is genetically everything. If if, if, if there's an evolution, so we right. need to keep up with that. Right. And so now this is sort of a big question, but I'm very, I'm so curious, how did you originally start working in this realm? What, what was it that sparked your interest? Was it the science angle? Was it the, the animal angle? I mean, what brought you to this part of, you know, this professional life originally? (laughs) An honest, an honest answer? Yeah, yeah. Craziness. <laughs> Insanity. I'm crazy. <laughs> no. Um, we, Shirley, Jeff, and I, we talked for years um, of making, I was making che- um, cheeses in Spain, mm-hmm. goats and sheep. And we talked for years kind of playing, oh, you have to come here and make these cheeses for us. They are cheesemakers. So that will be great. And, and one day they came to me very serious and said, we want you there. Let's look into it. Mm. And when I came here and see uh, and, and look for milk and quality milk, there, there is nothing. There was not even enough milk even huh. to, 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 produce, to right. produce a decent amount. And were you surprised by that? Was that different from what you expected? I was, I was. <laughs> You're you like, know, where's when they all the me and you know, you always think, what am I going to do? You know, you from from Portugal, from Spain, or from Europe, uh-huh. you always look at the giant Americans as they know it all. Mm. So I was always thinking to myself, what am I doing there? You know, I, I, I don't have anything to say. <laughs> they know it all. And, oh, and it was really Yeah, it was over. It was it was amazing for me hmm. that um, that there was a lot there was there was people working in, in with sheep and there are there is knowledge but that there's not the resources were not here right and genetically and so it was it was very exciting that's why i made a decision because i i we view, we talked and discussed a lot about this and we really know that we can make a difference mm-hmm. not only by bringing the breed but bringing all the science and the professionality and everything mm-hmm. that is in Spain. Yeah. So. And, you know, when we look, thinking back at those numbers we mentioned right at the top of the show, it's like the fact that 74 million pounds of sheep's milk cheese Crazy, are, right? are coming into this country every year <laughs> and only 1.9 million pounds are produced here 
it's there is there is a market for it, but if there's you, a huge opportunity, right? And and if you think about it, it makes sense. If if right now U.S. sheep's milk cheesemakers are trying to compete with a breed that is producing half the amount of milk, yeah. you know, it's just like how do you? It's already hard enough for other economic reasons in the U.S. It's like trying to do that is just uh, so daunting, but. <laughs> double the production and you start to have a different equation there. We hope so. <laughs> yeah. So you have, yeah. you have animals now at Miss J and company. And also I haven't mentioned where you're calling from listeners. Mariana is not calling from uh, balmy Portugal or Spain. <laughs> tell us where, tell us where you're calling from Mariana. <laughs> I'm coming from Monroe, Wisconsin. I moved here three years ago. A real dedication to the cause in the, I mean, in the midst land. of this winter. <laughs> yeah, don't I mean, tell me. <laughs> I, I love Wisconsin as much as the next person, but uh, it must be a, quite a different climate to get used to there. Yeah, um, it is. So, last week was crazy. Oh, yeah, this polar vortex. I, I can't even begin. But, um, but so at, at your facility at Miss J and company right now in Monroe, do you, how many animals do you have right now? So right now we have three, 300, uh, earlings. We call earlings like they, in a cow world, they are called heifers. They are, they are one year old animals ah. and they will be start lambing in April. We half of them are already um, have fifty percent of sass blood, mm -hmm. and half of them are just um, the breed that it was here before, which is a mixed breed. Okay, and so you haven't started milking yet. This no, will be the first. We, these are the first uh, milkers that you have coming up in April. Yes, wow. we are building a whole new facility. Um, to hold the, in the first phase 800 sheep, um, and we we are actually still building, even if it's that cold, we are still building the milking parlor and and wow. everything. Wow! And but we will be ready. We will. I have to keep thinking positive. We will be ready for <laughs> the end of April when we start lambing, and we have to be milking by then. Yes, like with so. any opening, just visualize it, and it somehow you'll barrel toward it, and it'll happen. Yeah, I just need a little bit of sun. <laughs> yes, yes, I can only imagine. You'll you'll get it. It's coming. <laughs> you you really will. Now they're doing a good job. Oh wow! I it's really amazing to imagine what's going to happen from this flock, this herd that you are building here, and I can't wait to see the animals myself. <laughs> you have to come. You have to. Yeah, come. I got to come visit them. What? And you know, that's another thing that I wonder about with sheep. Sometimes it's like I get. I think I feel like goats get all the glory of like everybody loves how cute and playful goats are, and they're always jumping around and doing goat yoga with people, but how would you describe, like, the personality of sheep? Oh, sheep are, they, they, you know, it's, um, sheep are wonderful animals. Um, they, 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 they like, they are a very, um, 
sociable animal. They mm-hmm. don't like to be alone. So that's why when you separate one, she just gets just they just get nervous. So mm-hmm. they they really like to be together in group. Huh. And they are and and if you put them into a routine, they 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 are wonderful. They are really wonderful. And um they can be they you know, a lot of times people say, "Oh, sheep are stupid or sheep yeah, they get a bad they, they get a bad reputation, yeah. but is it unfounded? It is. It, it it is and it is not. Again, sorry. Yeah. But they are <laughs> sheepy because they are social animals. They don't like mm. to be alone. Right. But they're not they are far from being dumb or stupid. They 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 have their own personality mm-hmm. and believe me, they but they don't fight you. They they you just they they know what they want, but but they will do everything together. So it's hmm. it's as a management point of view, it's very much easier to to manage sheep than than goats, than for goats. example. <laughs> goats are smarter than we are, so I just it's difficult. <laughs> Don't want to deal with that. No, <laughs> I love it. Oh, well, that's a fun a fun uh, insight into the world on a life on a farm with sheep. Um, and, oh, and also, yeah? sheep being smaller than cows, they are so much easy to handle mm, yeah. and to deal with it. So that yeah, makes sense. Not a good point. That makes a lot of sense. Wow. Well, we're nearing the end of our episode time, but I have one more question for you. I'm wondering. I don't know, sort of summing it up, like what kind what advice would you give for any of our listeners who are interested in making sheep's milk cheeses in the future or folks who are thinking of bringing some sheep onto their farm at some point? What advice would you give? Well, I'm I'm going to start with a farm. Um okay. I think that the most important thing is um be careful what animals you buy. Mm. There is a lot of thing. There is a lot of markets going on, and sometimes you buy or pay for animals that are not worth it. So, mm. talk to a lot of people. Um, there is, is there a, a resource that people could go there, to? Yeah, there's a there. There is an association, the Dairy Sheep Association of North America. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a small association, but just contact them and and they can they can help you um with data uh and that's great uh, and give you some information on what to look into an animal mm-hmm. great uh, also, listeners will also put that in our show notes so yeah. don't worry about and, pausing and also uh, don't sheep are wonderful animals so go for it go for it <laughs> just <laughs> if you need anything general encouragement I'm, I'm willing i'm it will be a pleasure to help great about the cheese size mm-hmm. side of the equation is i would say don't be afraid of, of doing cheeses with sheep milk mm-hmm. sheep milk is wonderful um you have a much better yield you have totally different flavors from cow's milk or even goat's milk, um, go for it. Go for it. But, you know, Elena, I want to say mm-hmm. one more thing. Yeah. I think that in all of this talk, we always talk about milk and cheese, but there is one product about sh- made, made with sheep milk that I am, I love, which is yogurt. Oh, yes. And I'm so glad you is, mentioned it. <laughs> it is so 
it is so it is so it good is because so it really good. is that is where you can actually have the whole flavor of the sheep. Mm-hmm. Not sheepy, but the sheep, the sweetness, mm-hmm. the sweetness of the sheep milk. Yeah. Uh, the natural sweetness yeah. and 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 the consistency of the yogurt is totally different from yes from it has such a rich texture it's like creamy yeah a dream i'm totally so, with you i bet i bet you're looking for it are you going to make some this spring maybe <laughs> when you I finally will, get your hands for my on. house i am yeah <laughs> i'm coming <laughs> over me, to your I house <laughs> that's definitely okay it's I'm a day dying to eat. it's one of the things that i most Yeah. Oh, I can imagine. Wow. Well, listeners, take Mariana's advice on whichever in whichever camp you fall from, from uh, you know the animal side of things, the cheese making side of things, or as a consumer, seek out sheep's milk yogurt. I I wholeheartedly agree. Oh, Mariana, thank you so much for giving us more insight into the world of sheep's milk. It has been really great chatting with you. Thank you very much for for inviting me, Elena, again. It was a pleasure to be here. <laughs> <laughs> Stay warm out there in Wisconsin. <laughs> we'll try. We'll try. Okay. <laughs> Thank Let's, you. Yeah. Listeners, we hope you enjoyed this Cheese Making Elements episode. We would love to hear your feedback on the series as we continue with these deep dives. What cheese making elements do you most want to learn about? Do you find there are aspects of cheese making that need more illuminating? We were thrilled to get some feedback after last week's show with Rachel Freer. Special shout out to Urban Stead Cheese for letting us know that Karakin in Cincinnati has an amazing cheese-focused menu. Please keep the conversation going with us on Twitter and Instagram at Cutting the Curd on both, or shoot us an email at CuttingTheCurd at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll be back next week with more Cutting the Curd. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to learn more about our 10-year anniversary celebration happening all year long, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, and more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be part of the world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family and become a member. Thanks for listening. I've read each night for someone.